Hi, I'm Rick Wright, and on today's episode of Build Relationships, Break Poverty, I sit down with Matt Gerber, Hope Chess and Adventures and Missions Country Director of Eswatini. His dream is to see the country heal itself from within so that Africa can provide for the needs of its own people. Matt and I have a lot of fun in this episode and talk about some surprising topics, including his birth weight. Of course, we also discuss the challenges and opportunity of Eswatini is facing and what inspires him in the work. Let's dive into our episode. You get these rough diamonds and you see the potential and we put them in this mold that we call the Swaziland Leadership Academy and you get this unbelievably focused, energetic young people back that has an absolute desire to change the country. Welcome to Build Relationships, Break Poverty a podcast that challenges the Western perception of international poverty by elevating the voices of local leaders and processing how we can help to alleviate poverty without harming those living in vulnerable communities. We are Children's Hope Chest, and we believe that building two-way relationships will break the cycle of poverty. Can you give us a little history of Swaziland, where Swaziland is, your passion for Swaziland, and we hear rumors there's a there's a name change in Swazi, so if you could help us out with that a little bit. Sure. <laughs> well, Swaziland is one of the only two kingdoms still in the world that is actually governed by a king. Um, it was a British colony until 1968 when it got its independence from Britain. Um, Swaziland is also a very small country and it's landlocked between Mozambique and South Africa and it's pretty much a mountain um, very small about the size of Jersey here in the States very hilly very beautiful but not a lot of resources small population of just over a million and uh, also a country when HIV AIDS was in the news it was the highest infection rate in the world and still is extreme poverty 69% of the, the, the nation goes to bed hungry at least once a week. 45% is under the age of 18. The middle generation uh, is kind of missing. So you have quite a lot of old people and then very young people. And that's purely just because of HIV AIDS. Swaziland did get a name change. The king did announce that uh, uh, at his 50th birthday. Um, and he changed it to Eswatini, the kingdom of Eswatini. We still use Swaziland, sometimes Eswatini. Um, I see at our borders that the name has changed to Eswatini. Um, But everyone still talks about Swaziland as a country in in, in Africa, little, little, little dot. The spiritual significance of Swaziland is is that there's a prophecy uh, on the country that it is the pulpit of Africa. Whatever happens in Swaziland, that will flow out to the rest of Africa. That spiritual significance is one of the reasons that I actually signed up on the dotted line to lead at um, Hope Chest and Adventures and Missions in Swaziland. Very passive country, very non-confrontational, don't do conflict, and that is sometimes very frustrating. But we love Swaziland, we love the children of Swaziland, 
and uh, we believe that we're making a difference there. Well, in about a year ago, I was blessed to be out there and see it firsthand, the, the beautiful country, the children, the impact, the love, the passion. But one of the other things you talk about is from a resource standpoint, the drought. It's impacted the entire country. Can you talk a little bit about that? And it's been going on for a few years now, right? Yes, uh, the drought has had a severe impact specifically on even our, us as an organization on all our uh, sustainability projects. Every, every one of them took a serious hit. Most of the Swazis actually lost all their cattle uh, and which is, the Swazi culture is actually their wealth. And some of the, the, the meat companies took advantage of that by buying up these cattle at next to nothing. Uh, and there's no way for the Swazis to actually replace that wealth. So there is still a serious shortage of, of cattle in, 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 in Swaziland. We are all holding our breath uh, currently because the projections for next year is that we're going to have below average rainfall again. Uh, that makes any agricultural project that we have or that the people of Swaziland have be very difficult. We've drilled quite a f- quite a few wells in the last few years. Some of them are actually dry because of the drought and it's just because of the water table that has fallen that much. Uh, as soon as we get some rain, those guys start working again and then they run dry again. Um, but it's it's very challenging because if you look at the history of Swaziland, they are the, the the people of Swaziland is substance farmers. Industry in Swaziland, a very big percentage of the GDP is dependent on agriculture and the Indian effect then on rain. Just before I left I, I saw that the Swaziland government again is in serious cash flow problems and that is always never a good sign. There's even talks about not paying school fees anymore for the primary school kids, which would be an absolute disaster if that happens in Swaziland. You know, our partners, our sponsors, our donors, we continue to pray, but we need to continue to keep praying for what's going on there. Absolutely. Swaziland needs a lot of prayer. Uh, we've we've made a, a lot of le- we've made a you know we've made a lot of progress specifically as an organization and the impact we have in the communities that we work in, uh, but there's still a lot of work. We're not blind for the fact that uh, we have a long way to go. Well, Matt, I know a little bit about your history, your background, your family. Tell us a little bit. You were born in South Africa, correct? That's correct. Uh, a very little interesting fact is I was actually the biggest baby that was ever born, still born in Mossel Bay. In South Africa. <laughs> I'm writing that down. <laughs> I was a 14-pound, 10-ounce little monster. My mom nearly died when she had me, but, but that, that, that is what it is. What is very interesting, actually, about my life is, is that my parents medically could not have children. And they prayed and asked the Lord if he would give them children um, that he can have back the oldest one, which I am the oldest. Hmm. Uh, I have uh, another brother and sister, and all three of us is medical miracles. So I've been in ministry since 98. Uh, I grew up in a children's home. Uh, my father was the head of a children's home. So looking after children is kind of in my blood. And that was in Barclay West. It was a, so 140 brothers and sisters and lots of fun. After school, I studied to be a CPA started a business. I've always, I have two passions in life. Uh, I like to make profit. I like to make do business. 
uh, and I love to help people. Uh, and the two can go really hand in hand. And I watch you firsthand. You're good with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You're, you're a unique individual like we all are. And came out as a baby and playing rugby right away, huh? <laughs> I love that. Well, tell us a little bit of how you got involved with Hope Chest. In 2004, we partnered uh, at that stage. I was with a South African organization called uh, Service Year for Christ. Uh, we partnered with Adventures and Missions in Swaziland and with organiza- organization of Bruce Wilkinson, Heart for Africa. And we did Beat the Drum outreaches in 2004. Uh, we visited 194 high schools, showed a Hollywood movie, and it was a big call for abstinence uh, to impact the next generation uh, you know, of with kids HIV, that potentially yeah. can get HIV AIDS. I was in charge of all the logistics and finances for that. Um, and we actually pulled it off. We had, it was the biggest outreach in the history of church. We had 2,000 participants. And because of that, after that, I got married to the most amazing wife I know. We felt our time was over at, at Service for Christ. Adventures and Missions, Seth Barnes, asked me if I would be willing to come to the States and uh, come and work at the head office. We took him up on that. We lived in the States for a year in Gainesville, Georgia, the other third world country. <laughs> and, uh, and on our way back to South Africa, or when we, were, we went back to South Africa, we actually just went back to renew our visas. And that was the, time that the, fir- that was the first time that Adventures and Missions and Children's Hope Chest were together in, in Swaziland for a vision trip. They asked if I would come and help out just with the logistics because it was quite a few of the more important people that were there. And uh, in the middle of that vision trip, me and Creek just looked at each other and we didn't even have to say anything. We just knew this is where the Lord wants us. I went to Adventures and Mission and said, listen, we're going to need strong leadership here. We're going to need drivers, pioneers to get this off the ground and uh, make this happen. Otherwise, we're going to look like clowns. Adventures and Missions, uh, the guys from Adventures and Missions looked at it and said, mm, no. <laughs> I said, well, it's not really your choice because we believe this is what God wants us to do. And uh, so we signed on the dotted line. I did have a lot of questions about Hope Chest. Uh, I didn't know them that well. And and coming from a background of a children's home, I, I asked, you know, how does the sponsorship work? Where's the integrity? What is the things that makes Hope Chest different from other sponsorship organizations that, that I had issues with? And when I listened to the model, the community community, the fact that we, we require our community to travel, all of those things just made a total sense to me and it brought a lot of integrity and transparency to, to Hope Chest and that's why we commit. We commit to, to Hope Chest then and uh, is still there. Pioneered everything in Swaziland from the ground up. We've grown from me and Creek to a staff of over 100 currently. Over 100 in Swazi. Mm-hmm. Well, and it might tie into the next question. When there, you know, there's so many NGOs, relief organizations, orphan relief, everybody, every nonprofit's coming in there to, to support kids, families. What does set us apart as you see it? I think the thing that sets Hope Chest apart, specifically in Swaziland, is that we really focus on closing the circle. 
we don't just do a certain aspect of bringing a kid up or raising up a child to make a difference or be a contributing adult eventually. Uh, we support that child from the word go until it actually happens. I think our holistic approach is very unique, uh, but the thing that stands out for me is, is that we really focus on closing the circle on poverty as well as on, on orphan care. Very well said. Uh, yeah, I, can, I see it firsthand. You know, as a country director, obviously you wear multiple hats. If there's such a thing, a, a day in the a average day in the life of a country director in Swaziland, <laughs> I have to say between between meetings, um, staff management, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, approving expenses, and 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 listening to people and their needs, which we have a lot of people that will come to our office and come and ask for special help. Uh, there's not a lot of time left. Uh, and in, in, in there, there's still, you know, meetings with government and other role players and other organizations in the country. I do have to say, I don't get out to the care points as much as I want to, just because it's, it's sometimes crazy. And the fact that we have a staff of over 100 now, and a lot of this staff is very young. Decision-making, not so easy. It's not a glamorous job, I can tell you that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Build Relationships, Break Poverty. If you are enjoying today's episode, consider visiting our blog. Consuming media can be overwhelming these days. Fill your feeds with stories of hope. Receive a weekly story of hope in your inbox by subscribing to our blog at hopechest.org forward slash blog. You know, tell us a little bit about a program or a project. You know, historically speaking, we partner with churches groups of churches or groups of individuals. We're really talking to the businessman now, almost corporate America, whether it be a large organization, medium organization, or small. And they're always saying, I want to invest. I want to invest in Swaziland. I might want to invest in a program, a project, or just in the country itself. Tell us a little bit about, if I'm a CEO of a company, how can I get involved? There's always, it's always interesting. If you look at any third world country, there's lots of opportunity. There's always opportunity for business. There's always opportunity to help, and there's always opportunity to build. Just from my side as, as a serial entrepreneur myself, I always I look at the market first and then work backwards. And in Swaziland, you know, there is definitely on the business side um, needs for specific services, specialized services. And one of those are actually, which is kind of not so specialized and you would think there should be guys like that. The problem is, is that for instance, mechanics in Swaziland is just not honest. I mean, we've been trying them all out and in some other states they always come and, you know. So one of our projects that we were thinking of specifically is, is to, to, to open up our own workshop for, for vehicles. Hospitality, big need. We always struggle with lodging. Other NGOs struggle with lodging. I think there is a humongous opportunity for for opening up a guest house or 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 lodging facilities and and actually have you know return on investment there. Things like good restaurants is is. I personally think that um, we will eventually open up a restaurant that is a training school where we will train some of the kids 
in hospitality, in chefs, in working with food and food hygiene. And we will train there for other places, but that will be the hub. And, and there's tons of other, other, other options. Um, on, on programming side, the bottom line is always, Rick, that if we don't invest in individuals and, and raise up these young people to be grounded, character-based, full leaders, and, and I believe that Swaziland has unbelievable potential in aspects of leadership development and raising up people to stop giving excuses for why Swaziland is not working and actually take Swaziland and say, hey, we can make this work. Well, and that's one of the things I love about you because there's a level of accountability. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you hold these kids and everybody else accountable to, to their futures. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, we talk about some of the obstacles, obviously, with the drought. What are some of the obstacles, hurdles that you see in Swaziland as you, we move forward? I always see myself as a little bit different. You know, I don't see obstacles. I see opportunities. Love that. There's um, an entrepreneur speaking. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, obstacles just needs a little bit of a, you know, and it becomes an opportunity. So... Uh, I mean, for us in Swaziland, I think we've built such an amazing name for the organization, and we are literally so well respected that we are actually being just been asked by the deputy prime minister to be involved with writing the new Child Protection Act. It's fantastic. Uh, and and the Child Protection Act was a big obstacle for us yes. because the children were not protected. Remember and that? Now, yes. And now this becomes an opportunity. Swaziland doesn't have a lot of resources. We have to say that to each other. That is an obstacle. does have a lot of fertile land, but doesn't have a lot of water. But even in that, it feels to me, is an opportunity for providing water or getting people that's passionate about providing water involved and, and, and change the landscape of the country. The biggest, one of the biggest challenges I believe in Swaziland, and again, opportunity in the end, is that creativity is really hard. You will see if you go to a marketplace, everyone sells the same thing. Or if somebody does something that's successful, then everyone else copies that. So part of that is, on my side, and I forgot to say that that's, that's actually a big part of my day-to-day stuff, is to mentor my business leadership academy guys and say hey let's think outside the box yes yes let's think of what is what is not here or what we do have what we can use to bring something that is not regularly available yeah it's it's a hard question for me to 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 answer as i was saying you know i i see rather opportunity i choose to see opportunity rather than obstacles well, and you've done such a great job, kind of on a different subject about mentorship. I keep calling it about accountability. Talk to us a little bit about your shepherds and that program and how that has impacted. <laughs> now you're 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 getting close to my heart here. Um, you know, our Swaziland Leadership Academy, you know, is our flagship program by far. Uh, the transformation that we see through this program in the participants, you cannot even put in words. I get goosebumps every time I think about it, even right now. I get you know. goosebumps when I spend time with the shepherds. And uh, they are 
It's just amazing. You get these rough diamonds and you see the potential and we put them in this mole that we call the Swaziland Leadership Academy and you get this unbelievably focused, energetic young people back that has an absolute desire to change their country. I love it that they talk of, of themselves as the SLA, the SLA movement. <laughs> I like that. They're the SLA movement. They're not a program. They're a movement that is impacting their communities. They're impacting the country. And then if you add to that, you know, the involvement of our music ministry and our sports ministry, and you start connecting kids through the Swaziland Leadership Academy and the music ministry and the sports ministry to their talents man it is it's a beautiful thing it's a it's an absolute beautiful thing it is amazing and a beautiful thing and i got to see it firsthand <laughs> and i saw the sports programs and again i have to have some t- i get emotional because i saw how those shepherds are impacting the kids behind and you talk about you know moving you know passing it forward you see it firsthand you've done such a great job and not all the kids succeed not all the kids get through the program it, they don't uh, but that's you know that's life you sure. know it's it's uh, not all of us can be bakers not all of us can be leadership developers not all of us can be business people uh, and, and 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 that's the thing i mean i think the biggest challenge has always been from that the day i started this and i knew this was going to be it is to actually connect the kids to their passion yes not to just an opportunity but actually their passion because if you connect it to your passion then you are able to take a lot of slack a lot of you know, difficulty and still make it happen. You know, yesterday you and I were having a little bit of a conversation um, about the individual mm-hmm. and relationship, and you touched my heart. Talk to us a little bit about that. You have a passion for that. I mean, sometimes we think about the community, we think about the country, for, you know, but it is. It's that individual, isn't it? It is. I mean, you, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, and Swaziland's an elephant. And we are going to change Swaziland one person at a time. You know, there's no quick fixes. And I believe, I thoroughly believe that we as, uh, as a ministry in Swaziland is on the right track when we changed our vision. Transformed individuals, transforming communities. That's our vision now. And uh, so we're, we're, we're focused on finding those diamonds, finding those potential uh, leaders and, and investing in them and helping them even resource them so that they can you know really have the most biggest possible impact on the people around them i mean there is i i I saw you know when you guys sent me a question on tell a story about one person that i can't there's too many you know i mean there's it's just you know the individual and, and specifically, I mean, that's the thing that keeps me there. That's, that's the best part of my life in Swaziland is to see one of these guys step out of his, his, his or her circumstances and grow and become this influencer of people in their community. I mean, what, what, what can be better than that? Nothing. I mean, it's just, 
it's amazing. It is amazing. And I tell everybody, no video, anything, <laughs> you have to be there. Yeah. And, of course, I push because I'm always, go to Swaziland with me. Yeah. Let me show you what a child has become, a young adult, is having an impact on the younger kids. And I saw it. Yeah. And those sh shepherds is a great term. I was, when I put my arm around a couple of the shepherds, I'm like, you're a shepherd. You're absolutely a shepherd of the yeah. lambs and they're following you and they yeah. look up to you and you are a guiding light. So again, I get, like I say, I start to get emotional because I was there, I saw it firsthand what you're doing. And I'm out there talking to several people about supporting, you know, mm -hmm. the Swazi leadership as we move forward because it is. And again, it, you know, I get people like, oh, everybody's allowed through it. No. There's accountability. There's a level of not everybody's going to make it. About the Swaziland Leadership Academy, we, we take 12 students a year. That's it. We, we have a, a parallel program that's running with the Swaziland Leadership Academy just to, to build a little bit more capacity called Ambassadors of Hope. They take another eight students. So we do 20 students at the most a year. And the reason we don't want to do more than that is, is because it's about quality, not quantity. We, we want to be proud of each one of those students that goes through that programs, and we are. I mean, if you, if you look at the impact that some of these guys have, even now after leaving this, the, the Swaziland Leadership Academy program, it is unreal. Uh, you, you can't, there's no words to describe the impact that a William has on his community. I mean, that young man has the ability to mobilize his community to do great things. You know, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, you know, I heard a little of the story. Can you expand a little bit on William's story? And, you you know, he's a so, true right-hand person to you now, isn't he? He, he, he is, um, you know, and there's, there's more, you know. But William went through Isolé. He was an amazing shepherd at Ngunguani. And even when he was a shepherd, he, he was kind of ahead of the, the curve by, emo, you know, mobilizing the community to actually work at the care point doing a garden, um, when the care, care point had to be moved, you know, he mobilized the whole community to be part of that move, rebuilding the care point. He, he got his whole community together and said, listen, what's the biggest need we have? And they said electricity. And he, and the, and he mobilized the whole community to, to work and donate, and they raised the money so that every house in that community has electricity now. He is passionate about renewable energy, so he's starting his own renewable energy business. Uh, we have 65 homesteads currently that has uh, solar power kits installed on the, on, on, in, their, in their houses, and William was part of that. Currently, he is being trained as a videographer uh, in our IT department. He is smart, he is grounded, and he knows where he's going as an individual. You know, there's a, there's a story of, you know, I keep saying it's like the rock thrown into the water. We focused on an individual. Yep. We supported, we encouraged an individual. And the waves and the impact on the community is uh, unbelievable. There's a, there's a true story of... Yeah. And, and, and William is just an example. You know, I mean, uh, we haven't, I mean, I haven't even told the stories of Bhutana or Sepiwe or, or Sdumo, you know, or Lindo. Uh, I mean, Lindo currently, he is part of the sports ministry. Uh, he, he led a group of young people. Uh, they designed a, uh, like a vest 
that you put that you put over cattle so that you can see them in the dark, because that's one of the biggest things that that's creates accidents in Swaziland. So they won this competition, and in October he's going to California to represent Swaziland at the international conference or something, you know, or Sedumo that is this, he's the epitome of love. I mean, there's nobody that I've ever seen in my life that has the ability to just love a child unconditionally and break through every wall that child has within minutes. It is unreal how God uses that young man to impact the children that he, that he comes in contact with. He's currently a CPC, a care point coordinator. So he visits six, five or six care points a week. And if he gets that care point, you can just, I mean, there's a whole, it's like a flutter that goes through that care point because Dumo is there. It's just, I mean, there's, it's unreal. Your passion is contagious, brother. <laughs> I love it. Possibly in closing, if you were to speak to the kids of Swazi, you know, what is the message you... It's time for this youth of Swaziland to take up the mantle. Yes. Um, it's, it's time for the, the youth of Swaziland to step up and, and, and raise above their, their circumstances. So many children are victims of their circumstances. And it's time for the youth of Swaziland to stand up and say, hey, it's time for us to be counted. I believe that as we move forward and investing in this young people and raising up these leaders, this God-fearing, character-based leaders, that we are raising up a generation that's going to take Swaziland to much, much higher heights. But for me, the message to the youth of Swaziland is it's time. Well, I'm coming back to visit you. And on that note, what's your favorite rugby team? Currently, my rugby team is like a brother in jail, man. You you love them, but you don't talk about them because they suck a little bit. But <laughs> I'm a Springbok fan. <laughs> you are. You are. I got the jersey last time I was there, and I wear it proudly. It's amazing how many people walk the streets of the States, and people and they know who it is. But, uh, you know, and your favorite baseball team is? My favorite baseball, yeah. baseball team? Well, I have to say, man, I've been watching Rocky, Rocky, <laughs> the Rockies for the past few days, and it's, uh, they're a pretty good team. Man, I love you as a friend. I love you as a brother in Christ. Uh, you're you. doing amazing things. So we appreciate your time. Thank this you, This has man. been a blessing for us. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this episode of Children's Hope Chests, Build Relationships, Break Poverty. You can follow Hope Chest on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you haven't yet, Go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast.